and welcome to the Don't Beat Around the Bush podcast. I'm Addie Holzman. And I'm Haley Kava. We're friends, pelvic floor physical therapists, moms, and occasional hot messes who are here for real, uncensored conversations about all things pelvic health. And because our conversations are uncensored, they're likely not appropriate for little ears. Please remember our disclaimer. Although we both are licensed physical therapists, we are not your physical therapist. Yeah, anyways. And our content is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your own healthcare team for individualized advice, diagnoses, and treatment. So 10 to 15% of Americans have IBS. That's a lot. Double, it's double, it's two times more common in women than men. It's not, a, it's like fibro, right? I feel it's like, like it's a, an umbrella term. It's an umbrella diagnosis because it's like, I have abdominal discomfort. I have cramping. It's like abdominal discomfort, cramping, swings between constipation and diarrhea. That kind yeah. of. Yeah. And there could be so many drivers for it. I mean, it could be gut health. It could be pressure management. It could be. Yeah, like it says here, IBS is considered a disorder of the gut-brain interaction. Mm-hmm. So is that like neuro? So there's IBS-C with constipation, IBS-D with diarrhea, and then IBS-M mixed. Mm-hmm. It said early life stress can be a risk factor. People exposed to stressful events, especially in childhood have a greater risk. But if it's like gut brain, it's probably related to neural neural chemicals that are made in the gut. And if mm-hmm. we have, if we're more sympathetically driven, it's going to impact that gut production of different neurochemicals that we need. Yeah. That's a really interesting concept. And so mm-hmm. if, if we are approaching our rehabilitation, our physical therapy in a way that is sensitive to our sympathetic and parasympathetic system. Yeah. Like, could that be a supportive um, process? Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's so much we do not know about gut health. I mean, our gut biome is like more than not still a mystery. Right. And so that's kind of hard, you know, if you did have IBS and you're like, well, that's all great. You know, I know gut has like something to do with this, but I don't yeah. know what the hell to do about it. You know? Right. I feel like, I feel like IBS is, is kind of like pelvic pain in that, like, we know that there's a, um, a cognitive component. We know there's a nervous system component, but that's not the only component. Yeah. So, yeah. so if we support other components of that, of that disorder, as well as working on some of the, the emotional cognitive components, can we help it? So like with IBS, could it be, we're sort of supporting our gut health, we're supporting our mental health, and also then our pelvic floor, respiratory nervous system health, um, with a whole body approach to physical therapy. Cause a lot of it is also like cramping and mm-hmm. like abdominal cramps and, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing. And people with IBS usually have identified some food triggers for symptoms. So really looking at what you're eating can help take away some of that stress, but it really is. It takes like a whole, whole body approach to address it from 
diet, hydration, stress management, movement. Movement can help, again, like the endorphins that are released for your mental health, but also thinking about how when you move, you're recruiting more, you know, mobility and your abs could help that pressure and like getting those abs to help work things through the system. It really would take like so many different approaches to calm symptoms and to address it. So these are nine signs and symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome from Healthline. The first one's pain and cramping. Second one, diarrhea. Third one, constipation. <laughs> so you got both ends of the spectrum on poop. Four, alternating constipation and diarrhea. They could have just said diarrhea or constipation. Number five, changes in bowel movements. So like just like the poop consistency. So maybe you always yeah. had type fours. So slow moving stool in the intestine often becomes dehydrated as the intestine mm -hmm. absorbs water. So this creates hard stool, which can exacerbate constipation. So prompt movement of stool through leaves little time for absorption. So then you get diarrhea. Blood in the stool is always something that you want to talk to a medical provider about. But the sixth uh, sign is gas and bloating. Seventh is food intolerance. So up to 70% of individuals report particular foods trigger symptoms. Eight is fatigue and difficulty sleeping. That could probably be related to like the stress and gut health. Nine is anxiety and depression. I can imagine like if you're limited on what you can eat and then you feel like crap and you're not sleeping and you never know like when you're going to have to go to the bathroom and how, what to expect and you go out in public and you know, like that would drive you to be anxious or depressed over that. Hey, for sure. I think, I think just like any other sort of taboo health condition, um, it's deserving of a team approach. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just like if you have any, you know, any chronic type condition and you go to the, your provider and the provider offers you medication as the only line of, of attack, that that isn't going to completely resolve an issue like this. That is so multi-factorial, <laughs> multi- you know, has multiple factors included. Um, and so you are deserving of nutritional support. You are deserving of pelvic health support. You are deserving of mental health support. All of those factors are going to help you heal. I think what becomes difficult is in conditions like that is that it then becomes a financial mm. burden, mm -hmm. but it's like, can I work? Can I live my life without these symptoms? Does that also mean that I need to be working with these different professionals to help me manage that. Um, and it can be really, um, really challenging to have, have chronic conditions like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the causes of IBS, this is from WebMD. You kind of touched on it. You don't know, they don't really know exactly, but one theory is the signals between the brain and intestine get disrupted. So this miscommunication can trigger contractions in your intestine muscles, which result in cramping pain and changes of the speed of digestion. And then like certain foods or stress could trigger those reactions. Symptoms will usually start before you're 35 years old. 
it's uncommon for people over 50 to get IBS for the first time. There's a, there's this graph here I'm looking at that has this sort of pyramid of, of, you know, 70% of people who have IBS or bowel type dysfunction don't, don't seek medical care because it's sort of that subclinical level of occasional digestive bowel issues. And then 25% of those people have it moderate symptoms. They will go see to go seek some help for it. And then, then we have that kind of that severe minority of people who deal with that very severely. And, and so I feel like when we are noticing mild changes in our bowel function, maybe before it gets to this sort of maybe clinical level is that is when some of the less aggressive and less expensive treatments would be likely really um, helpful. And that maybe lies more in like the lifestyle change in terms of movement, mobility, stress management, physical therapy, um, pelvic floor, physical therapy, so that we don't move into the, that minority of moderate to severe disease, if you will. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that stands true for all sorts of conditions, mm-hmm. right? You know, my mom has an autoimmune condition. I don't, I don't know what uh, is in the future for my sister and I, or like us genetically because of that. And so what can I do? I can be as strong as possible. I can maintain cardiovascular fitness. I can do all of these things to hopefully that even if we did develop some sort of condition in the future is that the impact on our quality of life could be minimized. Um, you know, and I think, yeah, I think that that is a very difficult thing to do, um, or to shift our mindset on in that, uh, in that conversation we were having about taking feedback and like taking critical feedback and, and taking it in a way that is really productive. Um, a quote from a podcast that a friend sent to me said, um, people don't change unless they're in pain. Yeah. I think it's, unless there's like a, a big motivating factor, making lifestyle changes is, is difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one of the big hurdles of IBS is that it can be used in a way where it, it is an umbrella term and there is differential diagnosis that needs to be done to rule out other things, but there's not one test that's going to tell you, oh yeah, you have it or don't. So it's going to depend on the experience of your doctor to like pick up on the signs and symptoms and to rule out other things. And that's exhausting to like go through that rigmarole and to really search for root, the root cause of any issue but I could totally see how that would be frustrating to be told oh yeah you just have IBS and then but then constantly wondering like hmm is there something else is this something else that that's being missed or is this something else that I haven't been tested for and um yeah I could see how that would be really really frustrating and scary and and so the support again the support of a uh, a team of healthcare is really helpful because maybe part of the differential diagnoses is ruling in or ruling out the pelvic floor as a driver of some of these symptoms initially, right? Because um, if we have bowel dysfunction, um, we have maybe a painful stool as a kid and Mm -hmm. we begin tighten, you know, we begin to have pelvic floor dysfunction as a child. um, And that 
tension in the pelvic floor continues through the rest of our life where we're going through periods of severe constipation and then rebound to diarrhea, it could be put a bottom up issue mm-hmm. that then is changing how we absorb things through our digestive system. And so kind of getting on top of, so either ruling in or ruling out the pelvic floor as a driver, ruling in, ruling out gut health as a driver, you know, and going through that process, I think, um, could be incredibly helpful. And I think this is a, this is probably common for most chronic issues, but when you have, when you're trying to rule something in or out and you're going to multiple providers, and this is like the long game, really taking control of your healthcare is really important. Like being able to go to a doctor and instead of letting them tell you stuff, be like, Hey, this is my food journal. This is what I've identified as my food triggers, or I'm worse in this point in my cycle, or these are the doctors I've already seen and all the tests I've already done. And these are the results. Like you really have to be the communicator and the, the center point of your care, because if you're just going to a provider, a And like, okay, let's do this test. Okay, great. Like whatever. And then you go to provider B, but provider B doesn't know what happened with provider A. And you're like, it's, you waste so much time because there's no inner communication between the providers. You have to take control of your healthcare. It's so important. And it will save you a lot of frustration and, and time because you'll be able to get, present the information to whoever you're seeing and it'll be more fluid and hopefully they'll have more insight to help continue guiding you forward instead of just spinning your wheels, trying to figure out what's going on. The assumption that they know everything is, is incorrect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Particularly about you as an individual, for sure. Right. So what are your big, what are your best pooping tips for someone? I guess like we talk a lot about constipation tips, Mm -hmm. um, on whether it's via social media or on the podcast of like, how do we have good poops? We'd love to talk about having good poops more of from the constipation lens, but I'm curious if you have any other tips from more the diarrhea lens. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I don't know. I've never thought of it. I mean, I've had probably more chronic diarrhea before kids, but so, so what do you think was driving your diarrhea? You know what? I don't really know. Cause that's when I had all the fissures and pain. So I think it's probably had, gut health. You well gut health, but you still had pelvic floor tension. Yes. So I think a big thing is that we, people have diarrhea often have underlying constipation or have had underlying constipation and pelvic floor muscle tightening. So the system goes, if I form this stool up, they're not going to let it out. I may as well not absorb all of this stuff and because I need to get this, this waste out. So I think anytime we're managing diarrhea, we really, really need to consider constipation first. Mm-hmm. like assume constipation and they're going to think you're crazy, but the treatment of the constipation isn't from medication. It's not from stool softeners. It's not from magnesium or even maybe not even diet. 
the treatment of the constipation is the pelvic floor. Because if we can then release and allow now a formed stool to release, then then we're we're gonna start to head in a good good direction. But in terms of like true digestive or like food, food intolerance diarrhea, I would say then we want to manage treat the cause again, it's just like avoiding our food triggers or helping our gut heal so that then we can reintroduce those food triggers. Yeah. Um, I would say not in the prevention arena, but one thing that I found with diarrhea was it was usually really acidic. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't wipe well enough, it would hurt like it like burn. So using wipes or a bidet, something that is like really getting you clean because that can cause a lot of skin irritation. And if you're getting irritated and you have pain, you're going to start clenching. (laughs) And so that's going to drive tension in the pelvic floor. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as, because we work in this world, we think that everyone understands that as a concept, but they don't. Mm -mm. And so I think really this advocacy of, of letting people know that poop, like that all sorts of poop problems are within our realm of specialty (laughs) and that we can really help people manage that, um, is helpful. I wonder, I haven't signed up for the course, but I'm, I'm reading the barrel visceral book. Um, Mm and curious sort of are there strategies you know if our our digestive system is muscular and if our our large intestine is cramping can is there manual techniques that we can use to help relieve a cramp just like we would in other muscles of our body um and so kind of curious about that as a as a strategy for for people with more abdominal symptoms and and IBS type symptoms or, or even endometriosis type symptoms that, that tend to run with these other bowel and digestive conditions as well. Yeah. The long game. It's the long game. Chronic Mm -hmm. issues. Definitely. Also, (laughs) I just want to point out that I think we've made it a little bit further the last couple of weeks because of our subpar review, which was a three star. It could have been I know. worse than that. Three right, stars is totally. like average. I'm okay with average sometimes, but I was thinking about this because I was like doing yard work and like not listening to music and I'm like just mulling it over like in my head. And I was like, okay, this is great because obviously this person does not follow our Instagram because if she did, she would know that we are random and like get off topic and like whatever. So that means that the audience is spreading or getting bigger, right? We're starting to reach people because when we started this podcast, the people who listened were the people that are already in our corner. It was the people that already knew us and like, we're like, Oh yeah, great. Right. But now we're getting people that don't know us and they're, they're giving their feedback, which is great. Yeah. But I was like, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> I had a very knee-jerk reaction to it, which so was, so what the hell? Why would <laughs> you say something mean? We're trying well, our best. But like, was it mean? Because like, no, they didn't like, mean. they didn't like pick on our character or go like, no. you guys really suck. And like, no. I don't and care about your pelvic floor and stories. 
<laughs> and so, yeah, as I like processed, as I came down from the whole thing, I had, we had lots of supportive people, but yeah, it was like, if someone is taking the time to give you feedback, it's yeah. because they care. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've played a lot of sports. The coaches that were the meanest <laughs> were often, you know, when I think back really because they wanted you to be they knew you could be better and wanted you to be better. It almost hurt more when a coach like wouldn't tell you anything because it was like, either they don't think I'm capable of this or they're done with me. Like they don't care about me. So feel free to review how you feel like you want to review. We will, we love and appreciate any feedback we can, we can get. I think it also kind of hit in that. I knew we had been kind of hitting a bit of a lull in the podcast of like, okay, what are we going to talk about? You know, the, you know, recording just at a distance, we've been, you know, trying to coordinate our schedules and, and, and then when we get on the podcast, we want to talk to each other because we haven't talked in a while, (laughs) you know? So like before we would talk all the things we wanted to talk in person and then get down to business on the podcast where (laughs) we're now like, oh, we want to talk about our lives a little bit. And so, but that's exactly why we made this podcast. Like if you want just informational stuff, there's a ton of other podcasts that give you just that. And they're amazing. I will, I will personally give you recommendations if you want, but like, so her, like that critical review was like literally opposite of what our goals are with this podcast. Like we initially said, like, we want to have a conversation. We want to share our dinner conversations with the world to like, you know, destigmatize public health and like share our own stories and like make it fun, which is what mm-hmm. we're doing, but that's what she didn't like. So like, right. so that's, that's great. Fine. That's great. <laughs> that's good. Like go find another podcast. Like, or, and what I was telling Bobby, I was like, now someone can read that review and exactly. if that's what they're looking for if they're looking for just straight facts, like then carry on. Don't exactly. So that's helpful for other people. It's great. Like it weeds out, like (laughs) it weeds out the people that are not going to enjoy our random tangents and like stories. But yeah, of course, like anyone who's going to take the time to give us a review, because it's hard as hell to get reviewed. There are so many podcasts that I love and whatever. Why haven't I reviewed all them? I don't know. Like, I don't, I just don't think about it. So since I've started podcasting, I've been, I review podcasts more now. Like I've been trying to two seconds to leave a comment. It takes two seconds to leave a comment. Or if I'm, if I'm a guest on a podcast, I'll always leave a review on the podcast. Yeah, exactly. And like, now I know how important it is. So I try to make a point, but like, I mean, it's not like instinctual, you know what I mean? Um, Not like on other mediums um, where, you know, commenting is, is more, more commonplace for sure. We have 59 reviews. That's that's a yeah. lot for a little podcast. I mean, yeah, let me let me check I don't our uh, little, but you know what I mean. Um, 4.9 out of 59 reviews. That's pretty great. And I'm pretty sure that one that one three-star review. We have a couple is, other reviews that aren't five stars, but that's all right. That's Again, all right. it's okay. <laughs> we, They're helpful. Yeah. And and I was thinking about this too, because I've run into this with like to birth and back when you are always in an echo chamber of your inner circle cheering you on and telling you how awesome you are and like oh this is great and you're great and everything's great and you never hear the critiques it's really hard to 
know exactly what people are thinking, but also to grow. Like I like have begged people to be like, Hey, I want to know what's your biggest criticism out of this because I need to know so I can make it better. So it is awesome to get really good reviews and it helps spread the podcast, but I really do find value in the critical reviews because it helps you grow if you don't know what people don't like. Not that we're changing the podcast, by the way. We are still going to go on tangents and like talk about random ass shit. So that's not going to change, but it's good to know it's not for everybody. Absolutely. And I'm okay with that now. So, yeah, we are leaving for the beach in approximately four to five hours. And I have not finished laundry. I have not packed. I have not cleaned the house. I have not gotten the dishes put away. (laughs) I'm like, okay, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. (laughs) You can do this. We are taking both dogs to a beach house. God bless us. It's going to be a shit show. How is Princess? I think she's like Husky Lab. I just sent her DNA tests in. So I hope they She's come got back like soon. those like pointy kind of ears. Maybe, or maybe some sort of like blue healer, like um like a herding type dog, maybe. I don't know. What's her like yeah. temperament? She's very dog. Like she's not a cuddler. She's very smart. She's very sassy, very opinionated about things. <laughs> so it's gonna be great she is not rhino like rhino we've only ever had like well most of our dogs have been great danes and they're so lazy and so like whatever very easy to train because they're i mean they're not dumb but they're not like a working dog or like super smart princess definitely is smarter (laughs) she needs more of that like mental stimulation or she'll get into trouble kind of yeah yeah so we're in a load of trouble. I have a feeling. Um, I think she's part white German shepherd. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. See. Or like, yeah, it's German shepherd or like, yeah, those ears are definitely like, but like most German shepherds, you need to like pin their ears, right? Like you need to, or you need to brace them. So they point up like that kind of floppy now. No, they're not floppy, but being, she's a mixed breed. Maybe the genes mm-hmm. just like, you know, yeah. she's part lab. I don't know. It's going to be, it's like having, it's like opening a surprise box. Like you don't know what, you yeah, don't know she's what you're going to get. I mean, she's cute and she's sweet. So <laughs> She is pretty cute. Yeah. Her and Rhino are really funny together. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew you were going to end up with one of those dogs. <gasps> I don't know how everyone knew. Cause we literally were told we could not adopt because of Rhino. So does she still want you to have Rhino be fixed? Like, or is that? No, I'm not getting Rhino fixed. Cause he, it's not worth the risk to me to put him under with a heart murmur. So like, I'm not going to, I wouldn't, I'm not going to sacrifice him. You know? Right. Right. She, um, if she's fixed and he's not aggressive, then it's yeah. no, no big deal. Yeah. So she'll get fixed in May, which is a little early, but I don't know. I'm it's whatever. That's what I, at the, to. at that clinic in Vass. Well, yeah. she, yeah, that's where Betty got fixed. It was good. It was fine. Good. Yeah. It were, I mean, she'll be like five months old. Not even, I don't know. It just makes me sad. Like, they're still so little but they, that's all they do pretty much is like spay and neuters so yeah. it'll be interesting to try to keep her subdued while she heals but yeah so that's coming up but she's good it's nice to have a small dog I didn't realize just how big rhino is until you have a small you didn't dog realize. like <laughs> he's like 
he's like our normal like it's like a, yeah whatever right. like he's like our normal and then you have this little puppy and you're like holy crap like rhino was never that big when we got him at like eight weeks old <laughs> so <laughs> like it's so weird um but it's refreshing to to not have two giant dogs like we've always had yeah balance it out a little bit but yeah we'll see what Ooh. they do at the beach so yeah fun time where are you guys staying are you, um an airbnb in buxton it's like southern outer banks nice so yeah just for a couple of days we'll see that'll be, be good but yeah i'm getting poop cramps i think i have to go to the bathroom <laughs> all right good poop. relax everyone again just as a reminder give yourself a hug hands, um, hands on your back all, hug all the way around breathe in to your i'm gonna do a reel on this today nice don't breathe down here breathe here into your back all right Love it. uh know your bush love your bush share, share the bush you the love, bush you love. <laughs> communicate with Addie and I both in regards to the podcast questions, comments, concerns, topics that you want discussed on our podcast Facebook page, Don't Beat Around the Bush podcast, as well as our email account, which is Don't Beat Around the Bush podcast at gmail.com. You can also find our podcast on all the major podcast platforms. So please subscribe, comment and share all the bushy love. It's probably pretty obvious that our episodes are edited and produced by Addie and myself. (laughs) And our music is provided by Blockhead.